Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Chris Clow, editor at Reverse Mortgage Daily, to talk about senior housing wealth, reverse mortgage disaster relief, and how reverse mortgages fit into Biden's housing plan. First, here's a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO. In collaboration with their broker partners, they designed Power Plus, a next-generation broker technology platform that offers a fast, intuitive interface with features and functionalities to empower a best-in-class lending experience. With an enhanced guided workflow, the loan process is more efficient, accurate, manageable, and convenient. The platform speeds up the process at every step, minimizing the time brokers spend on the platform. At PennyMac, being tech-forward and human-focused is why greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender. NMLS ID 35953. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Chris, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me back, Sarah. I appreciate it. Ah, we love talking about what's going on in the reverse mortgage industry. We know that tons of people in uh, across the the finance landscape are really looking at reverse mortgages right now, um, whether they've traditionally done forward mortgages, if they're trying to figure out the market. So let's talk about uh, a recent story you wrote about senior housing wealth and where we are with that. Sure. So this is a data point that comes quarterly from uh, the National Reverse Mortgage Lenders Association, or NERMALA, in conjunction with a data analytics firm called RiskSpan. They put out what they call the NERMALA RiskSpan Reverse Mortgage Market Index. So what they recorded is that in Q2 of this year, uh, senior housing wealth collectively increased by 4.1% compared to Q1. So that's an increase of $456 billion, and it drove up the total collective senior held home equity in the country to $11.58 trillion. Um, And I did a recent tabulation of total home equity, and it looks like, uh, you know, this, there's a caveat here in that there might be some data that's obfuscated, but seniors hold nearly a quarter of all home equity in the United States. So if that communicates anything, it just seems to be that there are a lot of uh, seniors who have the potential to be served by a reverse mortgage that are not. Obviously, you know, just generally speaking in terms of the broader mortgage market, reverse mortgage penetration is hovering right around 2%. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of room to go. But just like the the forward side, reverse is starting to see some pretty serious headwinds emerge. Um, but this data point should be pretty encouraging for uh, professionals already embedded in the reverse mortgage industry, and it should certainly illustrate the potential of the reverse mortgage product to people who may not um, have gotten involved in the business before. I think it, it makes sense when you think about, we know that uh, baby boomers, people who are older have had more time in their houses. They might've bought houses that, you know, when they were much cheaper or, um, you know, unless they bought them in the last couple of years. So, you know, the fact that they have more home equity, they have this kind of uh, power in their home equity makes total sense. 
Yeah. And um, I mean, just the the ways in which home equity can potentially be utilized by turning it into a liquid asset or turning it into cash flow. Uh, I mean, I've talked on this show a lot about different use cases that reverse mortgage originators try to illustrate for their referral partners and for financial planners. And that's one of the reasons why reverse mortgages have become more enticing to financial planners over the past couple of years, particularly since the pandemic. Of course, um, you know, volume recently took quite a big hit. The latest data that I saw from September saw volume drop by over 43%. It was kind of expected. I mean, I've talked on this show whenever I've uh, had the chance to connect with you about the Heckam to Heckam refinance boom, and that has really dissipated. And the latest volume data definitely indicates that. But again, you know, we did see a pretty sizable drop in reverse mortgage volume at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic before that swung into pretty historic territory. Uh, the the industry is not going to be able to coast off of refinances uh, in this instance, but economic volatility hurts people on a fixed income. And it's, it's too soon to tell whether or not more of them are going to start to turn to products like reverse mortgages or to adjacent products like um, like sale leasebacks or, or shared equity investments or things like that, but um, you know, typically speaking, whenever I talk to reverse mortgage professionals, they feel more confident in what the product can bring to the table in times of economic volatility, because if people need to make ends meet and they are sitting on an increased level of home equity then uh, this could potentially provide a solution for them, presuming they meet all the qualifications, of course. I think, you know, you said economic volatility, and I think what was called out specifically in that article was the stock market volatility, right? Like, if you're relying on on that for some of your, um, you know, a, a big part of your retirement, that's, that's a problem when we have these kind of shocks, right? So um, I think that a lot of people feel like real estate is a great hedge against that. Um, not that we don't go up and down, not that, you know, things don't change there. But, you know, Logan Motoshami, our lead analyst, has talked a lot about how, you know, you don't wake up and be like, OK, I'm going to sell my house today, you know, like you do with a stock. Like there's just inherently um, less, you know, or more longevity in, in this kind of asset. Yeah. And people understandably have reservations about. Uh, creating um, or, or taking new cash on through a debt-based instrument. And I think that uh, most reverse mortgage professionals are pretty conscious of that when they have those initial borrower conversations. But I mean, you mentioned the stock market and one of the biggest talking points that has emerged over the past couple of years in particular from uh, academic authority financial planners that have advocated for um, at least taking a greater look at reverse mortgages is mitigating sequence of return risk by utilizing a standing reverse mortgage line of credit. You know, if you if you take a if you go through all the the the, um, the the closing processes and if you qualify for the loan and you do everything that you need to do and get all of the the right verifications and uh, and financial assessments out of the way, then if you take your loan proceeds through a standby line of credit and you are an investor, then when the market dips you have the chance to tap the standby line of credit until the market stabilizes again. And that can be um, you know, a, a hedge against taking on additional risk that has been created by the volatile stock market. So there are, uh, there are a lot of potential uses 
again, there are still uh, a lot of lingering reputational issues for the industry to work through. And I, I'm not going to hear from anybody that thinks that this sharp volume reduction is uh, is a good thing by any means. But the potential is illustrated so clearly when you see the data point about how much home equity is tied up specifically in the homes of people who can be served by a reverse mortgage. So there's a lot of dynamics at play. Uh, and I think, you know, again, I've said here before, the industry has long sought to at least get in the door of consideration, even if someone doesn't end up choosing to, uh, to walk through the door, the proverbial door of getting a reverse mortgage. So a lot of competing dynamics right now, and I don't think things have settled enough to try and make accurate predictions. In fact, I've talked with uh, reverse mortgage uh, industry analysts, and they are reticent to make predictions just because uh, volatility it seems to have increased rather sharply pretty recently. Uh, you know, and, and, and people are feeling that in a, a number of different ways, particularly at the gas pump right now for people. But uh, until things settle down, um, you know, it's going to be hard to make a, a, a lot of specific predictions about how this is going to go. But we've certainly got our eye on it. The analysts have their eye on it. I have my eye on it. Uh, and, and we'll certainly bring the news to people when it happens. I love that. You know, uh, last week we were at our Housing Wire annual event, which was super fun. And one of the themes that I think was running through the whole event from our speakers and people we talked to is really the value of relationships right now. And it strikes me that, in, especially when it comes to reverse and people looking to expand into this, their relationships with financial planners would be so key because these are, you know, these are maybe more complicated type of instruments that people, you know, your, your typical LO is not probably really up on like, oh, okay, you can borrow against this and times of this. Like, I, I feel like this is where your relationship with a financial planner would be so key. Yeah. And I mean, um, I, you know, I've talked to people pretty recently who are trying to expand their, uh, their core of referral partnerships in, uh, in other ways too. Like for our, the RMD podcast last month, I spoke to an industry veteran named John Luddy. He works out of a company called Norcom Mortgage up in Connecticut. And, uh, he told me that another potential referral partnership that he found was, uh, the providers of home heating oil. Uh, because he w would talk to his own clients who need oil brought up into uh, into their homes in Connecticut and uh, would try to enact some kind of a payment plan with these providers and they can't do that. That's not really the way their business works. So, I mean, thinking outside the box uh, to try and cultivate additional reverse mortgage business could be potentially very valuable. That's not to say that uh, you know the, the the best tricks don't work uh, most efficiently. You know when it comes to talking to financial planners or elder law attorneys. You know these are the kinds of referral partners that I think are the bread and butter of the reverse mortgage industry that can serve as a conduit to creating those kitchen table conversations with uh, with potential borrowers. But you never know um, how. Other kinds of referral partnerships could be fruitful uh, in terms of cultivating other business. So I think that the reverse mortgage origination community is, um, I'm sure that they're understandably a little bit on edge. There have been some other difficulties in the business that we've reported on recently when it comes to 
uh, to layoffs and the scaling back of operations. And I know that some people were concerned about what happened with Finance of America, even though that doesn't affect the reverse mortgage division. But it does certainly illustrate that uh, we're living in some pretty interesting times when it comes into the the mortgage business, forward or reverse. So uh, keeping your eyes open about what kinds of partnerships you can create to generate business uh, will be key over the next several months and maybe the next year. That is such an interesting, different innovative, you know, thing, thing about thinking about who could, who could be in touch with these people. And to your point, you know, it's, it's not typically normal, but we're not in a normal market in any way. And the truth is we know that this uh, product has been, you know, under regulation has really changed a lot and is now a really helpful thing for people. So, you know, there's a lot of people out there who need help and, and, you know, kind of segueing into the next thing I wanted to ask you about was your, you know, the story about reverse mortgage natural disaster relief, which I hadn't really thought about in that way before. Uh, of course, we're very familiar with disaster relief for people who hold mortgages that, you know, uh, their house got wiped out, they, you know, whatever. And, and we've just had several of those. So tell us a little bit about this one. Yeah. So this is basically something that I uh, thought would be a good idea to revisit just because of what's been happening in the news, you know, um, Puerto Rico was recently hit by uh, by another hurricane, and that's coming off of uh, the the island being struck by two back to back hurricanes in 2017. Irma and Maria both struck the island and did significant damage to to a lot of homes and to the infrastructure throughout the island. And of course, more recently in the news is Hurricane Ian, which is. Uh, one of the single most uh, deadly hurricanes to strike the state of Florida since the middle of the 1930s. Uh, so a lot of homes are affected. And of course, the, the, um, the unique component of this as it relates to the reverse mortgage industry is that Florida is an extraordinarily popular retirement destination. So you have a lot of seniors who have settled in that state. So a lot of them have been there for a long time, but you certainly have seniors who move there uh, in hopes of, uh, you know, greener pastures and, and warmer weather in their later years who now find themselves potentially with a damaged home. So a few, two years ago or so, um, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau renewed some of the, uh, the literature surrounding how natural disaster victims who have reverse mortgages can potentially try and seek out additional relief. And the federal government, uh, to its credit, put a lot of uh, resources into motion uh, specifically to add relief for uh, Florida and Puerto Rico, specifically in the wake of the most recent hurricane. Several counties uh, within the state of Florida fall under a, a presidential disaster declaration that President Biden put in place. So that um, opens up a lot of additional HUD resources um, for for relief to affected parties within those areas. And specifically when it comes to reverse mortgages, the president's declaration helps to grant a 90-day extension for uh, for HECM loans. So that can um, basically stop them from becoming due and payable. And that can be a really, really critical lifeline if you because a, a key loan obligation for a reverse mortgage is that the home needs to be in good repair. And if it's affected by a natural disaster, then it, by definition, cannot be in good repair. Obviously, there's different levels of severity, but uh, that could be really debilitating for someone 
Um, and on top of that, you also have to stay current on your property taxes and your homeowner's insurance and natural disasters can affect those things too. So when it comes to, um, to a reverse mortgage, then, uh, the CFPB put out this document that they released in both English and in Spanish, um, that says that, Hey, you need to file an immediate claim with your home insurance company. You need to notify the lender and and the servicer, sometimes one or the other, but it's probably not a bad idea to inform both about the extent of the home damage by certified mail and keep a copy of that letter for your records um, and to continue to document the damage with supplemental photos and videos just so that you can make sure you have everything uh, in place should you need that material. And, um, you know, another really important and arguably foundational component of keeping a reverse mortgage in good standing is living in the home. And if your home is severely damaged by a natural disaster, you will not be able to live in it. So um, that's another thing that uh, a reverse mortgage borrower, frankly, has to worry about um, is that uh, the, the residency requirement is a requirement. You are, uh, you you have to stay in your home. And if you can't do that, then you have to provide up-to-date contact information to your lender and servicer and to let them know that you intend to return to the property once repairs are completed. So these are all things that come into the equation for victims of these recent natural disasters and um, there might be even a little bit more of a silver lining, arguably. Uh, I, I use that term loosely because if a homeowner was impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic negatively, then they qu- likely qualify for homeowners assistance fund cash that they can uh, put into their home additionally. And if they have not previously applied through their state program for some kind of uh, half funding benefit, then maybe now would be a good time to do that. Uh, in addition to taking all of these other steps. So these are the things that can you know, make a huge difference in terms of keeping people in their homes. And I wanted to highlight it on RMD just because uh, a lot of loan originators read our publication. And if you have a borrower who reaches out to you who has been impacted by one of these natural disasters, because loan originators are often the first primary point of contact, even more than the servicer, uh, because they all oftentimes establish kind of a personal relationship uh, between borrower and loan originator. So loan originators are uniquely suited to make sure that borrowers can uh, can uh, seek out the kind of assistance that they might need in the case of a natural disaster. Wow. You know, I had not even considered the fact that you know, Florida being in the path of many mat- natural disasters, especially this time of year. And and with that higher population of older people, that makes total sense that this is like kind of a kind of a, a big deal down there um, as they go through these kind of things. I also didn't reckon with the fact that they have to live in the home. Uh, so that's interesting. It sounds like some of the, you know, it sounds like the CFPB and, and the government are being very proactive. At the same time, it sounds like a, a pretty a uh, paper-based and labor-intensive process. It's not like, oh, upload your pictures to this thing. Now, now maybe people with reverse mortgages, I don't want to paint them with a, a large brush, but potentially, you know, certified mail, they might be more um, used to certified mail than say your your average millennial. But I, I still think it sounds like a pretty rough process. It certainly can be. And you've had a lot of uh, major players in reverse mortgage servicing try to 
uh, roll out tools, particularly technology tools that make these kinds of uh, communications easier. Um, but, you know, the reverse mortgage demographic, it, it runs quite the gamut in terms of uh, full comprehension of technology-based tools, particularly internet-based tools. So um, that's why it's really incumbent upon the loan originator community to make sure that if someone reaches out to you, or if you take the step to proactively reach out to some of your borrowers who might be impacted by, uh, by some of these disasters, you know, make sure that you can give them the appropriate information. The CFPB wrote up a very, very thorough and, um, and plain spoken document that I linked to in the RMD story that is, uh, I, I would say essential for, um, for, for giving to reverse mortgage borrowers that kind of walks them through the processes of everything that they, uh, or most everything that they need to do to keep their loan in good standing. But it never hurts to have uh, a direct conversation between originator and borrower to facilitate, um, you know, maybe connections with the servicer, uh, and to make sure that these kinds of documents are sent to the people who need to see them to make sure that, um, you know, the loan doesn't accelerate needlessly, uh, and result in, in a foreclosure action that doesn't need to take place. So it definitely throws a wrinkle into things, but I think you're right. You know, the proactivity of the government in making this kind of aid plain, in addition to all of the additional aid that they're pouring into these territories, to say nothing of of state programs that can offer aid in some instances. Uh, there are resources that are available to these kinds of borrowers, but um, you know they need to take advantage of them. Absolutely, and fingers crossed that we just have a very uh, you know, small hurricane season, not, not a huge impactful one, because every time we do this, it's just, it, it's tough on housing all the way down. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. I think that that's universally true. I agree. You know, uh, we talked a little bit there about government action, reverse mortgages, uh, made the, uh, housing supply plan, right. The white house, uh, talked about the sale of reverse mortgage properties in their housing supply plan, a little bit convoluted there just to, just because we're talking, I think about the secondary market. Can you tell us a little bit about what that story was about? Yeah, sure. So these are from sales that happened, um, late last year and earlier this year. Uh, what happens when a reverse mortgage, reaches 98% of the maximum claim amount, it is assigned to the Department of Housing and Urban Development. So that's uh, actually the entity that, um, you know, in, in some cases takes possession of the property when when the loan is complete. So um, the White House and, and HUD held these sales of former Heckam properties. There were, there were Heckam notes secured by vacant properties uh, and sold them, and they gave priority to uh, to nonprofit entities and uh, and government buyers over investors. And uh, you know, like the, I think HUD and the CFPB have been taking a closer look at how how much uh, investors have been um, active in the home buying space because it could affect uh, housing supply, which is kind of a problem everywhere. But these sales uh, were specifically touted when the White House. Uh, released a statement late last week uh, talking about the progress that it has made with the the housing supply plan. And so um, the White House, part of its announcement said, quote, the administration has taken steps to direct a greater share of the supply of FHA, Fannie Mae, and Freddie Mac defaulted asset dispositions to owner-occupants and mission-driven entities 
instead of large investors. In two recent sales of HUD Heckam notes secured by vacant properties, a total of 1,393 notes were awarded with 61% of the notes awarded to nonprofit or nonprofit joint venture bidders. So that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good sign of progress. Uh, one of the sales took place last November, and it offered multiple residential mortgage pools of around 1,700 notes. And uh, this past June, a New Jersey-based community development organization uh, participated in another sale and bought up nearly 200 former Heckam properties. And that marked the first transaction of its kind to be completed at that scale, uh, specifically with collaborating nonprofits. So the government is moving, I would say, pretty aggressively in trying to answer the needs of, uh, of housing supply to try and turn these around and bring them up into, into good repair uh, so that they can bolster single family residence supply. Um, because I know that there are a lot of markets across the country that are still seeing a supply shortfall. I think that uh, you know recently there has been an indication that there is more supply, but considering the lag that home builders uh, have had since the onset of the financial crisis in particular, there's still a long way to go. And it looks like this is one way that the government is trying to uh, to shore that up. We are desperate for inventory. I don't care what market you're in. We need more inventory. <laughs> so that was yeah. really interesting. I thought it was interesting in the White House's um, statements about this is that they talked about, you know, the fact that they're taking back these properties, make sure that like big investors don't buy them up and then I guess tie them up. But I, I just thought that was interesting because I was like, you know, it's it's very state by state and community by community, but still that the percentage of houses that are being bought by investors is still pretty low, right, in the overall scheme of things. So I, I thought that that was interesting that they brought that up several times as like, hey, this is part of this program. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, I'm not sure how specifically involved large investors are in the purchase of former reverse mortgage properties. I know that there are some localities that have had issues with former Heckam properties that do need some repairs, depending on you know what the condition of the borrower was when they passed away and, and how they maintained the home. But um, it does seem, uh, it, it, it's, it's definitely a, a, a notable aspect to point out that the government is emphasizing this because the way that they explain it, and it sounds like they're diving deeper into it, uh, is that investors are having kind of an outsized impact on the ability for housing supply uh, to be replenished. And uh, I haven't took as strong of a look at that personally, but it is definitely a component of the, of the White House narrative. And um, I'm, I'm sure that it, part of that is just, well, here's how we can affect things and here's how we have affected things. That's usually how these kinds of uh, statements from political entities tend to work. But either way, I mean, it does show that there is some forward momentum uh, in terms of the, the Biden-Harris-HUD trying to address the supply issue. And I know that that has been something that a lot of people across the country have been hoping that uh, that HUD will address. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think, you know, let's just be honest, that's a... That's a um hot button issue. People like to think that like Wall Street's taking up all the homes, um, despite whatever the actual facts are. So I do think that that, you know, is something that they would talk about. 
Well, Chris, thank you so much for being on today. I always learn something and I, I feel like reverse is just a really endlessly fascinating space that, you know, we don't all know everything about. So I so appreciate you coming on and enlightening us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. I hope I hope that it's enlightening. Uh, you know, I do my best, um, but, you know, certainly keep up with everything that we're taking a look at and, and publishing at Reverse Mortgage Daily. I'm going to be attending the uh, Nirmala annual meeting in Atlanta at the beginning of November, and we're going to have a raft of coverage for whether it's event programming or uh, interviews that I'll have with industry leaders that come out of that. Uh, so certainly stay tuned to RMD. Absolutely. And people can reach out to you at what's your uh, address that they can most get you best. Yeah. The best place to hit me at is uh, chris at hwmedia.com. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. I love that all of our uh, email addresses now are so accessible, you know, yeah. <laughs> don't have to think too much about it. Well, Chris, thanks again. And we will look forward to seeing more coverage. Sounds good. Thank you, Sarah. Take care. have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer form digital content, the Housing Wire magazine, member exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.